My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Outside of Tucson, with Bill Gates and the scientist David Keith, who's in the movie um, Frankenstein, the documentary, and he's like the evil minion of Bill Gates, and they want to spray chemicals in the sun, like Mr. Burns blocked the sun to save us from global warming, which is already BS. Right? We can go there if we want. So, I had this conference and and a protest and a concert in Tucson a few years ago, and it turned into like this big crazy mess in my world. It was a great success. They, they postponed the dimming of the sun and now it's been moved to Sweden for next year it's slated for Sweden next year so our cells are really small and when 5G hits it bifurcation can occur which means the cells can actually get messed up from the 5G waves and split in half they bifurcate because the waves are so small that they hit them and they impact them but anything bigger than millimeters like things in centimeters so the, the light coming off of a Wi-Fi router is like a foot Paul. He told me he learned about earthing. He said, Matt, I went and dug a hole, buried myself. And that therapy for not even a week healed him because of the, there's a lot. I mean, we're supposed to connect to the earth and there's like a human resonance off the earth. And that's pretty much what tunes us and gets our biofield all okay and resonated. And we can shed all this dirty electricity, otherwise known as positive ions. We want those negative ions going through us. You learn about Wilhelm Reich and orgone energy and stuff like that. We need a balance. It disrupts our entire physiological, like, nerve, everything. Our brain, our, our, our endocrine system. Our bodies are designed, and, and our endocrine system, which is our hormones, it's designed to be on a circadian rhythm, a biological clock. It's absorbing light. And this light, which is also blue light, so it's, it's, it's pretending like it's the sun because it's so close to ultraviolet, pulsing on and off. And it, it totally, yes, it disrupts the natural element. I mean, that's not what nature is. Na- nature is not pulsing on and off crazy lights messing with our, our entire biological system. I mean, it impacts us. And I've become like, kind of sensitive to it because I'm not around it all the time and when I am I'm totally wacky like I can't sleep for a while if I watch like like if I'm if it's dark out and I go to a friend's house and they get a big screen TV or a hotel or something these there's so much blue light being cranked off of all these things it throws off my entire circadian rhythm I can't get a good night's sleep and it's because our bodies are on this biological clock that's fine-tuned Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and with me is... Tara. 
and we spoke to Matt Landman today. Matt Landman, who I first heard on a shout out to Greg Carlwood, the Higher Side Chats. And when I listened to this episode, I was so amazed and compelled and worried about what my phone was doing to me because I was listening to so many podcasts, probably like you sitting out there listening to this podcast. And I was like, wow, my phone's in this vicinity all the time, every day. It's right near me. It's in my pocket. So I got really worried and I bought this fabric, Faraday fabric, inspired by Matt Landman. And I used that fabric inside of my jacket so that I could keep my phone in a pocket and it had a lining to protect me from these Bluetooth rays and all the different waves that come in and out of the phone. And not only did I do that, I sewed together a little bag that I gave to Sam Tripoli with a copy of the book, The Kybalion. So Matt Landman is somebody who I've known about for a while and way before I worked for Sam and it was an honor to put him on tinfoil hat when I had the opportunity to work for Sam. So I made that happen last year and almost a year later, here we are now speaking to Matt Landman on uh, on our podcast. And that was the first time you had you'd met him, right? Yeah. But uh, we kind of listened to him a little bit when we... Uh, the day before or whatnot, but what were your thoughts, your mm. first impression on Matt, Tara? Um, I think Matt was a really cool guy and easy to talk to and obviously passionate about what he does and put into perspective for me how um, these waves actually work. Yeah, the visuals he was giving us, like this wave is a foot tall, this wave is 20 feet tall, you know, the Roy G. Biv and how infrareds are actually beneficial for us, but UV light is only good when it's the actual sunlight, but not too much of it. I mean, it's very complicated stuff and he broke it down. <laughs> I was interested, I was intrigued. I had heard some of this before, but the way he put it was very well said. So enjoy this episode with Matt Landman. Tara and I are gonna be enjoying the uh, Sparrow gear that he sent us. We both have a phone bag, right? Protecting ourselves and you'll be protected protecting your balls thanks to Matt sending you some uh, <laughs> underwear. I'm excited about that. We definitely need to protect my balls. We both have <laughs> an interest in doing that. Well, yeah, anyways, if you have balls, if you're a man, go over to Sparrow. Get yourself some underwear and protect yourself. You don't want to, uh, you know, jeopardize your testicular health. You know, these things can help you protect that sensitive area of your body do it for the future generations folks we're not sponsored by them but we do have uh we do have some gear so i just wanted to endorse matt because he is very generous and sent it to us free of cost and he's a really cool guy so matt landman folks check him out his links are in the description and enjoy this episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast with yours truly co-hosted by the lovely formerly known as esoterra now known as tara <laughs> we're still working on the name of her podcast folks coming soon to a podcast player near you a podcast hosted by my love tara watch out 
And one last thing, be sure to show us some love on Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. Come on, folks, let's say it every time. We got 26 people on the Patreon, and I promise you, I'll be putting regular content there every month. All right, Tara and I have had one hell of a summer. We're still looking to settle in somewhere, and we have a place now. I'll say it. I'll put it out in the ether. So more to come from the new HQ. Thanks, folks. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Today on the show is my co-host, Tara. Hey. And she's going to be leading the way today, folks. She's got a lot of questions in store for our awesome guest. His name is Matt Landman. He's been a huge inspiration for me. You can find him at actualactivist.com and Frankenskies, the movie he created, the best movie on geoengineering and Yes, Matt Landman. It's a pleasure to have you here, man. I'm excited to get into to who you are and what brought you to this point in time. We got into a little bit of that before we hit record here, but you're over on the beautiful Pacific coast on the base of a volcano. I think that's where we left off. W- let's go into that story because I've heard you briefly mention this story before. I'm sure you've gotten into the whole story on certain podcasts, but you're working on a farm. You had this revelation that the things that you were seeing in the sky were not what you had come to maybe deduce from what our society tells us. Because they don't tell us much about what's going on in the sky. But what did you find out that, that alarmed you and set you on a new path? Well, they tell us not to think, right? And that's really <laughs> what I learned. Long story short, I learned that I was told not to think. And then when I realized that I was pretty much brainwashed, you know, in a sense, then it, 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 you know, it got me angry and, and all that. Uh, so thank you so much for having me on the show, Mark and Tara. And, and it's cool talking to some East coasters. And like I said earlier, I'm from Northern Virginia and you guys are in Connecticut in the fall. Everything is really beautiful right now. But yeah, I, I'm now in Ashland, Oregon. It's kind of where I've landed to, I, I needed to find a home base. I'd love to travel. I'd love to bounce around, but I needed a home base for the EMS protective silver line clothing. And I just, it's giving me, even though it's at the base of the volcano and it's a weird energy, it kind of like pushes people away. It's like volcanic, literally like push and pull weird, crazy energy. But it, it seems like I'm supposed to be here for now. So I'm getting a home base for this activism kind of stuff that I'm doing through the EMF protective clothing. Thank, thank God I'm able to bring some protection and a revenue stream to create more activism, stuff like that. But yeah, chemtrails, I never even heard the word. And I wanted to go to film school and I was in my mid thirties. I'm now 41 and oh, three days. Wow. So either way, 
Um, I'm sorry, I had to process that for a second. So I was like 35 and I had gone to film school finally and gone back to business school in this very rural university where there wasn't much air traffic. And when I got out, I got this, supposedly I thought it was a great job at the time. I was a finance analyst, but it was, you know, when you're in a beautiful area and you're stuck inside nine to five, you know, and winter comes and whatever, the paycheck doesn't matter when you've got like a crazy traveling spirit like I do or whatever. And I want to see the world and explore where I'm at. And, you know, I was, where I worked on the farm ultimately, because I left the office job and worked on the farm. Where I worked on the farm, I could hear the waves crashing. Like I was that close to the Pacific Ocean. And there I saw, well, here, here I was working on a farm for about a year growing potatoes and squash and corn and all this. And one of my first realizations is I never knew, I don't know nothing about nothing. Like the potatoes, you put them in the ground and they grow a bunch of potatoes. It's so abundant. And we never even learned that. You know, there's so many things that were a big kick in the face where I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing that started getting me really thinking, first off, all the jobs I'd worked. I'd worked like 40-something jobs. They're all different jobs, you know, like real estate agent, mortgage broker, uh, waiter, you know, you name it. And ultimately, it's all kind of, I don't want to say slavery because a lot of everyone listening, people have to work jobs and stuff. But it's, it's a trap, you know, and it's like, getting out of that is part of the whole path of the journey, you know? So what I witnessed on the farm in the midst of like a five-year drought in Northern California, and it's the Pacific Northwest, um, right on the edge of the Oregon border in Northern California. The Pacific Northwest basically stretches from San Francisco all the way up to Canada. And it's got this seasonal deluge. It's got this seasonal rain pattern that comes through off of the Pacific. It's just the way that the clockwork works. It goes from west to east, it's called a uh, jet stream. It's also called an atmospheric river. And it's this moisture pattern that comes off of the uh, ocean. It's just ocean water, like the hydrological system on the planet, you know, ocean water heats up, the mist comes up and it goes into this like jet stream that's in the atmosphere. It's actually like a river of moisture in the upper atmosphere, in the um, ionosphere, in the stratosphere, troposphere, like layers of it. So either way, this jet stream that usually comes and hits the Pacific Northwest every season, it was not coming every year. Any For five years, it hadn't came. It was hitting this big high-pressure bubble, which later we can talk about if you want to, that it can be created, these high-pressure bubbles, um, which is like a big pressure, like a bunch of hot air. So it was getting, it was steering around California, but moisture wasn't hitting California. And so I didn't know anything about anything. So I'm working on this farm finally, which was pretty cool because I could, get grounded and be outside and it was totally different from all the other jobs I'd worked. And I kind of just figured it was just going to be another job for a little bit and learn some stuff and then move off my life and, and go do something else, you know, maybe make some documentary or movie or something. Cause I did just get out of film school and I wanted to do something with that. So I witnessed, and then I'll pass it back to you. I witnessed this big storm coming in and we were supposed to get a week of rain these big black storm clouds came off of the ocean, huge week of rainstorm, like, you know, the, the 100% chance of rain on the weather, big Doppler radar, we, we have Doppler radar at the farm, you know, you see this big system, the salamanders, like, came out from underneath my house, the frogs, too, they were so excited, because five years of drought in the Pacific Northwest, okay, this is, what, like, six years ago or something, and so, here we go, I'm in the rural, rural, you know, no air traffic, very like sparse air traffic. I'll see a plane a day. 
And all of a sudden, on the edge of the storm, all these planes showed up, and they gridded the sky with the lines out the back. And I didn't know anything, and nothing happened. No, no rain dropped, and I knew nothing, nothing, nothing. Like I didn't have an aha moment. I wasn't like aha, or I wasn't like oh, what's that even? I just tabled the memory like there was any other memory. Even though I did know about 9-11, I did know about GMO food. Um, I didn't know much else aside from that and the food thing. I didn't know about fluoride at the time, too. But I hadn't even got there with, with the job and stuff. Which is crazy. But there I had a memory. And then fast forward like a month or so, I'm talking to my buddy back on the East Coast about 9-11. The kids don't know nothing about 9-11. They don't even want to know about 9-11. And he said... Well, what about chemtrails right in the face? And I didn't know. And so I looked it up, what chemtrails was. And then boom, I was like, oh, see, I saw that. Wow, they didn't make it rain. And then that kind of began my journey. But it was a rocky ride for a while. Like, being an activist is not glamorous, but it's, an, it's amazing in the end, you know? But, like, it's hard, you know? But here I am. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I... I... I definitely wanted you to express that because I think many people have had moments like that where they see something that doesn't fit within the narrative of what we're told. And I don't think you were going too far by making the comparison between slavery and, and, and having a job. I think, you know, we don't want to disempower people, of course, when they're listening to some, but something. We're, our goal is to empower them. Maybe that tough love of saying like, hey, you're, you know, the job you're in is actually a form of slavery. Maybe that might help them. I mean, that moment on the farm helped you wake up or at least was part of the the series of moments that led to what you're doing now. And activism certainly is not easy. I've been to a couple protests. I think, you know, when I was younger, I probably went to protests that were... uh, part of an agenda I might not have actually really realized, you know, that I was participating in. Uh, so when you're actually doing the real work, spreading truth, I mean, I'm sure you come up against really rough characters. Do you have any, like, stories of, of times where you were protesting something? You ever chain yourself to a tree or, or anything like that? What's the furthest you've, you've gone in that realm? That's a great question. I'm not much of a, a chaining to tree dude, but if I, if I could do it to stop chemtrails in a way, then I could, I would do that, you know what I'm saying? And I was like brainstorming just the other day about some sort of like cool false flag we could pull off for people to like wake up. But like, I don't want to like mislead people. I do want everyone to wake up, but somehow though, in a trigger event would be amazing. So when I first, when I first started getting going with making the movie Frankenstein, which that's my baby. That was my baby at first. And then it, and then I realized that truth is a frequency and it's not just chemtrails. Of course, and chemtrails link so many things already like EMF and 5G and aluminum and, you know, aluminum links to fluoride and all this other stuff. But when, you know, going down the path of how am I going to figure out who to interview for Frankenstein, which is crazy. It was a crazy journey there too. Cause it was like, I would go like, I would go to like some Island in Canada with a, my film crew buddies, and to interview like the, I mean, there's so many people that ended up being not who I wanted to represent in my movie for various reasons, mainly because I didn't think that they were who they claimed, you know? And so ultimately I was like, I'm going to host these conferences and have um, all of the Kimsel activists and Kimsel people, anybody who wants to talk Kimsel, we're all going to come together in global Kimsel conferences. 
So I hosted the first one in Vancouver and Canada and it was packed. It was amazing. And then I hosted one in Portland, Oregon, and it was kind of a bust, but I, but I got really angry and gave a great presentation that kind of went viral and that was great and what have you. And then the next year, Bill Gates was trying to block the sun in Tucson. So I moved down to Arizona and I had the third global third annual at that time or some of the top geoengineering. And there was to be this experiment outside of Tucson with Bill Gates and the scientist David Keith, who's in the movie um, Frankenstein's documentary. And he's like the evil minion of Bill Gates. And they want to spray chemicals in the sun like Mr. Burns blocked the sun to save us from global warming, which is already BS, right? We can go there if you want. So... I had this conference and, and a protest and a concert in Tucson a few years ago. And it turned into like this big, crazy mess in my world. It was a great success. They, they postponed the dimming of the sun. And now it's been moved to Sweden for next year. And it's played it for Sweden next year. So if anybody cares about sunshine or the world or like what's going on and stuff like that, this normalization attempt of geoengineering via the experiment in Sweden with Bill Gates and all these I don't even want to call them people. Either way, the conference, like I gave my presentation. And so usually I give these presentations and I get all aggro in the end. After I like present the facts, I start like guilting people about their ancestry and like their ancestors fought and died and bled for them, you know, and like they should stand up and do something, you know, get off your asses, people kind of thing. Like anything is something, you know, don't just be a listener kind of thing is what I'm trying to get out. And I'm like really passionate. And like right before I gave my presentation this time in Tucson, my, my homie from New York, he was like, you got to fill it out, dude. You're talking these huge. He told me over the phone. He, was, he didn't come out. But either way, I chilled it out at the end. And at the end, this, this total provocateur, agent provocateur guy, huge biker guy came screaming, yelling over and over, he's a global shell, he's a global shell. And then it was a kind of a little altercation. I ended up getting uh, arrested for assault. Right? I smacked the cup out of his hand, but like it was a total mess. And that's a good story. Well, and and yeah. I would uh, imagine that that's exactly what their intention was: putting a big biker dude in your face, you know, trying to agitate you. You think that was his intention, like to growl you up so you would like do something to him, and then like it doesn't seem like he fought back. He probably just pressed charges right away, right? Yeah, they wanted to disrupt the conference. He wanted me to like. I mm. think he wanted me to lay hands on him so that he could like destroy me, and then that would be that for Matt at the conference. But there's there's these things, right? I've I've analyzed a lot about like the consent and stuff like that, like the predictive programming. And all of it, it seems like the they, the they, quote, they need our consent somehow in a weird way through disclosure or whatever. You know, like they could have come and like, you know, like I, I, like they could totally take over my mind with MK Ultra. The dude could have just beat me up, but they need me to make the first move. It's mm-hmm. some karmic law or something. I don't really know exactly. And it's, it's not, it's the micro and the macro. Like they do it to everybody on earth. Like they could line everyone up and be like, you have to do this. This is it. You know, total totalitarianism. But like, they need somehow. Like, I think the big agenda of right now, I've realized is they really just want us fighting each other. They want us divided as all can be and fighting one another. You know, I, I mean, I can feel it right now because I'm, you know, I experienced it firsthand. How's it over there with all the? Can you go to the grocery store with your freedom, or you have to go block your face? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we wow. we've been we've been kicked out of several grocery yeah. stores for refusing to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But it's ta- it's city by city. So like the town we live in. 
we're good to go in certain grocery stores and we're we're right. cool but like when we tried to go into new haven where yale university is it's a madhouse right. it's you know it's ridiculous that no coffee shop no bookstore no grocery nothing we can't go to new haven anymore unless we want to walk outside so it's a little disheartening because there were things we enjoyed doing in new haven yeah. but at the end of the day i'm not a i'm not really that upset to make that sacrifice now. yeah but you know just a couple of days ago i was in a grocery store shout out to edge of the woods in new haven and i'm like you guys are a health food store it's absolutely ridiculous that you are enforcing something that has no scientific basis does not protect our health and actually hinders our health because very obviously you're restricting your airflow you're causing the carbon dioxide to you know become toxic because you're not exhaling it at a normal rate it's just yeah so so many things but i want to get it's I, a good I, thing though in a sense because it's now corralling those who weren't so aware before all of this to uh, a healthier or a healthy organic natural lifestyle. It's forcing you to, to make a decision when before right. it was easier to just kind of go with the flow. You know, like people who are going to, who were maybe aware of a lot of this stuff before COVID mm. and were just kind of like going along with society because it was yeah. easy. Like now they're like shaking up like, no, 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 you can't play ball with society anymore. Is that the point you're trying yeah, to make? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause well, cause before, honestly, before COVID happened and everything, I was working in a coffee shop as a barista and that was five months ago, actually. And I, I was t like, it was a struggle in myself because I was, like, I'm so against this. This is not, this isn't me. This is against everything that I stand for. And yet, I need, I have, I have an apartment. Like, I need to make a paycheck. I need to take care of myself. So then I just put the the mask on. But I, I couldn't do it after a while, after like two months, I think of it. I just couldn't do it. So I was like, okay, let me take, take the leap of faith here and see what happens next. But also before all of that, like I've been familiar with chemtrails like a little bit just from living out in Kauai. I can't, I would see them and they would have the rallies and, and then also I was familiar with GMOs. But I was always moving and doing my own thing and just going with the flow. And so, and kind of on this, not to just hijack the conversation here, but yeah, just like, I was just always, go, always going with the flow and on this quest to find like the ultimate answer to all of this. And, but it just kept leading me to other things that I would, that just kept painting the bigger picture of it just kept coming back to truth and what is truth and me finding my own personal truth and so that's kind of where I'm at now and the reason I say all of that is because question if you want to <laughs> okay. save you with the, right. throw you the life vest over Thanks. here well you know and with all of that you know that you've done to protect yourself from what the environmental toxins and pollutants that we're being, you know, forced to deal with mm -hmm. in this subversive way. And Matt, you're somebody yeah. who's 
trying and, and doing a great job of it, bringing this to light for people, showing them like, hey, you got to watch out for fluoride. Hey, you got to watch out for aluminum in the sky. And, you know, I'm wondering to turn this into a question. Are there any things that we might still not be aware of because her and i don't drink fluoride we don't wear the mask so we're not getting the jab and you know to the best of our ability we're avoiding chemtrails i'd imagine like we're not actively supporting them i don't like you know as far as protecting ourselves from the aerosols and and these toxins like what are some defense measures that, that you've learned about that's great. And thank you, Tara. And I'm going to answer that question. So, and thank you very much. And the thing with chemtrails is if it's presented in at least a light of some hope and not super frequency of fear, then you can actually find empowerment because you're on that, that truth frequency and you're like, Oh, well I can empower myself by knowing this and knowing this and hopefully your rabbit hole with quest Tara wasn't super dark or whatever. Cause it can be like scary at first. Cause it, cause it, it, designed that way. Yeah. Google wants you to Google wants you to think about Mark Allen and nanobots and there's no hope and you're, you're screwed. And you know, I want to give props to the farmers of especially Maui, but I think it was all over Hawaii. They were talking about chemtrails forever ago and come to find out they're really sensitive vegetables on the heavy spray days were dying. So they were pulling tarp, pulling greenhouse tarps over the cilantro and like the thin skin papayas and stuff like that. And they weren't being impacted by the chemtrails. But they were so severe there for whatever reason. You know, the why, everyone wants to know the who, what, why, where, when, how to be able to convey the message to the friends or, or to feel okay about the situation and stuff. And Hawaii, maybe they want to steer the jet stream and that's part of it, right? Maybe they just want to edge it north and not let it go hit California. And sadly, you guys were there in the you know path of destruction or whatever. So that's. That And then you said leap of faith about leaving your job. Mm. It is kind of like you have to trust in the universe or God or whatever right now when you're just like, okay, well, I've got to follow my, my morals and my standards. I'm not going to do that. But, but then that's like kind of like falling and like trusting that something's going to catch you and something will. Like you have to trust. And the more that you have that kind of like trust frequency, you know, it's like gratitude. It's, it's, if you keep having gratitude things will come more, I think, and also trust too. And don't be afraid to say no to that job and trust yourself and trust what's next, you guys, everyone out there, because there, there is a plan, like God has a way kind of thing. So I've learned about mineralization. So minerals are super important and it's key information that we kind of don't learn. For instance, we really need magnesium. It's not that bioavailable. It's not that much in our diet. And anytime we eat sugar, it depletes the magnesium in our bodies to a 54 to one ratio. So every molecule or gram, whatever you want to do, let's just do molecule of sugar that you ingest. It takes 54 molecules of magnesium to process that one molecule of sugar. So we end up being depleted in magnesium and we don't get a lot of it back because we don't even know that we should be taking Epsom salt baths or getting leafy greens, the central atom in the chlorophyll molecule, the middle and the, the middle atom and the chlorophyll, which is like the green part of leafy greens and green stuff, is magnesium. You get your greens, you eat grass shots or whatever, you get like topical magnesium and whatnot. And then you start down this journey of like, oh, what else do I need? Dude, that periodic table, that's all there is. You know, things are kind of like finite here, even though they want us to think 
that, oh, it's infinite this, and you're not a rocket scientist, don't think about that, and, you know, compartmentalize, and don't think about that, you don't think about that, you're not that, da, da, da. you know, we all can be very holistic and, and empower ourselves with all of this stuff. So the mineralization thing is unreal, because if I can give it, it due justice, say you're deplenished in, like, calcium or magnesium that you need for your bones, and your bones are like, okay, I need to absorb some minerals, and you eat some food, you know, some mineral dense food, some squash or beef or whatever, and it's absorbing, it's absorbing stuff, trying to get that magnesium and calcium. And you drink water, whether it be good water or bad water, you're in the air where the chemicals are, you're absorbing these toxins. And because you're so mineral deficient, your body will accidentally absorb what it thinks is good minerals, but in, it's in the process of trying to get the good minerals. It's absorbing everything from the air and everything else. And it ends up absorbing like toxins from the environment, right? So if you're not mineral deficient, okay, your body doesn't need to keep trying to get pull stuff from the air and the water and everything. And you can even eat toxic stuff and it goes right through you because you're not even absorbing all of the stuff trying to get the minerals that you need, right? So the healthier the diet you can, the better. And I'm learning about, like, I'm, I'm learning all the time and I'm trying to, to like practice what I preach and what have you. So I just got, like, I talk to Dr. Sebi all the time and alkaline diet and what have you. And Sebi, S-E-B-I, when, like, Nipsey Hussle tried to do a documentary on him recently, the rapper, and he got supposedly killed for trying to talk truth about uh, Dr. Sebi. Dr. Sebi was healing so many things just on alkaline diet. Diet alone, not acidic, but alkaline, and that's something we learn about as well, and it's really simple. But one of the, he taught about fasting, intermittent fasting, and how amazing we can reset ourselves and heal a lot of things. You can heal so much just from fasting. And that's like so counterintuitive to the American breakfast, you know, the most important meal of the day, you know, which is like bacon, which was pitched by Sigmund Freud. He got the bacon on the plate. It's crazy. The nephew of, I mean, sorry, Edward Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud is a marketing madman that got all these things in our life, fluoride, cigarettes, bacon on the plate. So either way, sorry. So the mag- magnesium, calcium, and then all these other minerals, you start learning about mineralization and it's, it's mineral dense food. I've been incorporating this Irish sea moss, which is a seaweed. And it's from the Dr. Sebi uh, fasting stuff, but it's super mineral dense. I'm getting a lot of minerals. I know like fish eggs are mineral dense. Grass-fed beef is mineral dense. But you start to like think about what are you getting? What aren't you getting? That's on the periodic table. Because back in the day, the soil, like think about this, 100 years ago, Humans were still around, our ancestors, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and the soil was packed full of all of these things on the periodic table. Boron, magnesium, like, like things that you don't even know how to pronounce that, that are not in your diet at all, that are not in your vegetables anymore. They're not putting gold and palladium and platinum and these like noble elements and stuff. They're not replenishing the soil. They don't have to. All they need is basically NPK, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, don't quote me on that, but it's not hard to grow food. You don't need to remineralize the soil to have all the food, have all those minerals in it. But back in the day, before all the farms screwed up all the soil for the food that we eat generally, unless we're getting like really good organic, you know, like support your local farmer for a lot of reasons, including this, the organic soil, the better the soil, the more nutrients and minerals that are in your food and the more that you get. But just learning about minerals, you know, I think is, is a key step. And then also learning about like chelation and stuff. I swear, like when it's really gnarly chemtrails, I maybe I'm a little paranoid, but I I'll, I'll eat those chelating things like the activated charcoal pills, 
you know, they're activated charcoal, so they like attract the heavy metals and pull them out of you. So if, if I'm, mm. you know, I, I do little things that maybe are just in my head empowering me or whatever, but yeah, the mineralization thing, especially it's empowering. It's like, I know what's going on. I'm not going to do that, you know? And then there's the, the obvious things like, you know, the fluoride stuff and whatever. And I've even gotten my friends to remove the metal from their mouth. If you have old fillings and stuff, because unfortunately those leach and they're bad with EMF and what have you, mm-hmm. if you have metal in your mouth and all that, which, you know, it, it, like a lot of people want to just throw up their hands and be like, oh, I'm screwed, I'm under attack, you know, but no, you can take these steps slowly toward refining your input, which are toxic, you know, all the attack mechanisms, you know, that we're facing, you know, from GMO foods, all these other things. Yeah, no, it's certainly demoralizing, you know, when you see all of the the pesticides and all the toxins, but when you realize that there are equally as many good beneficial minerals and ingredients out there that you could be taking into your daily life it's it's definitely empowering so yeah thank you i appreciate sharing that you mentioned something twice now and you said the first time that we could revisit it so let's revisit it this high pressure bubble that they were using to redirect you know, you said they, they were possibly doing that in Hawaii to, you know, affect the weather in California. It's pretty obvious that this is a full-blown science. You know, they're not just, like, throwing shit in the air and hoping it sticks. Like, they have ways of directing the weather, controlling the weather, stopping the weather. How far does that go, Matt? Have you looked into, like whether or not they can start a hurricane or a tornado or things that we would consider like natural disaster. HAMP, the Hurricane Atmospheric Modification Project or program, and that one, they administered black carbon soot, so like burn coal basically to the edge of the hurricane and hurricanes in this experiment, in these experiments. I'm guessing it's like the 60s. It's in Frankenstein's. I've only seen the movie a million times. So they learned that they made the hurricane stronger. You know, they know how to make them stronger. They know how to make them weaker. And they get on the media, on the news or whatever, and talk about drought. Say things like global warming, heat waves and drought. And, you know, who's gonna, where's it going to rain? I don't know. All these farmers are destitute and California drought and all this stuff. So for people to like really sink their teeth into it, they can watch Frankenstein's or they can just research this Professor Hatfield in um, 1914 in San Diego. Hatfield, San Diego, 1914. This is a long time ago. Okay, we're talking 100 years ago. He was hired by the city of San Diego to make it rain. He did. He busted dams by just spraying this chemical uh, haze and making seeds. Basically, little particles of dust in the atmosphere, the moisture can, it's their little seeds. You know, imagine like a little uh, drop of sand, have a kernel or whatever you call it. Then the water attracts to it, gets heavy and falls. It's called cloud seeding. And it's been around for a hundred years. They do it to fill hydro dams for the power plant. They do it for ski resorts. And then they say nothing about it when it comes to drought and what have you. So that's like kind of the beginning of like, wait, what's going on? Are we being... Then as you watch Frankenstein and you get to the 1920s, 1930s, the movies in chronological timeline format. Um, it doesn't get to the stuff that I filmed until obviously not modern day, which is like halfway or so through the movie. But, and it's not even narrated by me. Thank God. It's just like this. It just shows you everything. And by the time it gets to the 60s and 70s, it's obvious that they could, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson did give the speech right after JFK died 
or got killed by the CIA. And he's like grinding his teeth. Lyndon B. Johnson grinding his teeth saying, control the weather, we'll control the world. What do you think happened after that? They just forgot about it. They sharpened their tools and they've been sharpening. And now they've got this whole global warming agenda where if they make crazy fires and make crazy events that fear us and just being freaked out, then they can say, we need geoengineering and climate change, global warming lockdowns. Wait, watch for that. Not that I'm excited about that, but I'm making Frankenstein too, thinking I'm going to be filming that BS. So like, I hope it doesn't happen. But it's the kind of writings on the wall, the, the Schwab guy, the evil monster that might be the our new like world whatever leader. I think it's just like kind of funny because I don't know. American Dad, like Schwab, was like the goldfish, and he's all evil if you watch that show. But I, I mean, I don't watch anything anymore. But either way, this dude, this guy, the information was presented to him that the climate cha- that the lockdowns did not impact climate change that there was no like cooling of the earth when everyone got locked down. So like he was trying to say when we got locked down in March 2020, that it would be a great example of how we can lock down in the future to quell global warming. And then he's presented with information that said, look, nothing happened. It didn't quell global warming. His response was, yeah, it didn't work because we didn't lock them down long enough and hard enough. And they didn't follow the rules. So he's not, he's not letting go of that dream and I'm sure there's some like I mean they sit down and think tanks and think 20 years out I'm trying to think 20 years out with Sparrow the, my clothing line and myself we have it so that they can't be tracked in this weird dystopian future or whatever and that's an, again Sparrow is hope right it's the, it's Latin word for hope I'm trying to like bring all this stuff and not a fear based space they want everybody so strong on on fear that they're like oh I'm going to get the, this I'm going to do this for everyone I don't want them to think this of me you know oh I got to conform and stuff it's because they're being scared into all of it, you know, but all, a lot of us have, as we wake up to whatever it is, nine, you know, it's like 9-11 was a great wake up call for a lot of us. And now, like you said, it's right in their, our faces. Okay. You asked me a question. So high pressure bubbles is, it, it seems like a technical term, but what, there's harp and harp is this facility in Alaska and it is, a bunch of antennas, like 40 feet tall, at the size of a football field. And they can focus on the atmosphere, even like hundreds of miles away, and keep the atmosphere, test the technology. It's basically a microwave, but because microwaves just have intersecting radio waves in there to make the, the water and the food heat up. So they're intersecting radio waves in a point in the atmosphere that they fit. And by doing that, making hot air in the atmosphere, almost the temperature of the sun, it creates high pressure, meaning hot air rising from the ground up. And so back in the day before the internet, if you watch the weather channel, if you still do, there's H's and L's that kind of steer everything around. And it's either dropping pressure, which is low, or rising pressure, which is high. The activist gets to wear and, or is forced to wear many hats. But it's great because you start to learn all these different things like meteorology and what have you. And I'm sure you have all these different guests on your show. You learn so much. So... You can create high pressure by using these antenna arrays that are now not just far up in Alaska, but they're all over the place. They call them Nexrad and Doppler, and they look like these big golf balls, and they say they're predicting the weather, but they're wow. actually controlling the weather. So, all right, so Matt, we have one of those like 10 minutes away from our house, and it's in this weird spot where like, if you're not paying attention driving on this hill, you'll miss it. 
And it's on one of the busiest roads in the United States, the Boston Post Road. It's probably the oldest. I'm sure that the Boston Post Road goes through Virginia. It might not have the same name. It's probably called King's Highway down there. But, but it goes from Florida to Boston. And right on this road is a huge golf ball. And there's an Air Force base there. And I always point that out to my friends. Like, hey. And I pointed out to her at some point. I'm like, hey, you ever wonder what that giant golf ball is doing? And most people are like, don't care, you know, but in reality, I'm sure they have these in key sections. I mean, like we said, the beginning, we're kind of coastal where we live. So it would make maybe some sense as to why it's over there. But they definitely have these golf ball arrays. We'll call them the giant golf balls all over the place. So expand on that, if you will. What what are these exactly doing? So they're they're bunked down harp facilities mm. so they can they can intersect microwaves in, in the atmosphere and steer things around um, with it so sometimes when they spray chemtrails and it turns into a haze and then you see the ripples form that's them zapping it and you can't feel the heat down there but they're still they're steering things around up there making wind moving weather i think almost all the weather now and, and this sounds crazy but I think almost all of the weather right now is controlled. I mean, they're steering it, they're pushing it, they're making it rain or not, and what have you. And I don't trust those golf balls as far as I can throw them, and they're huge, so I can't move them at all. Because, like, when you say that they're on the freeway, the thing is, okay, why people don't care, we can't see it. There's light that we can see, and there's light that we can't see. And I know that already is confusing to people because guess what? They don't teach you this stuff for a reason. But there's the light that we can't see, it impacts us because our bodies absorb it thinking they're getting vitamin D, it's getting vitamin D or whatever. And it's not getting vitamin D. It's getting cancer. You know what I'm saying? Long term. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But the light, so light travels at 186,000 miles per second. It's got these properties, right? And so we see red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet, Roy D. Biv. But just beyond Biv, V, violet, is ultraviolet. We don't see it because it's really smaller than violet. It's just a small, smaller property, smaller wave. You measure it in nanometers, the, the size of the wave from crest, to, from crest to crest, okay? And the smaller the wave, the... <laughs> There's so much information, but the smaller the wave, the more impactful it is for us because we start to think it's light and we start to absorb it in our body more thinking that it's, it's light. But like a really big carrier wave, like AM is a really big carrier wave and FM is really big, but like 100 feet. AM is 100 feet tall, FM is 10 feet, and these waves go through us, they go really far, but it's light. So if we could see the light coming off of these towers, it'd be like these little balls of light. The Wi-Fi router is actually light as well. Your cell phone is emitting this light, this little ball of light. And that freaking golf ball is probably going nuts. But we can't see it. That's the thing. And if, if we were giants, and I like to ponder this or postulate, like, what if we were giants and our eyes were mad big, way bigger and had a bunch bigger curvature, we would still be in this realm, but we'd have different curvature eyes. We'd, but we see all this light. We see infrared. So on the other side of Roy G. Viv on red, so orange light is a little smaller in wave size than red. So red's a little bigger than orange, and infrared's a little bigger than red. And it's just too big for our coverage of our eyes to, like, smack it onto our retina and see it, you know? We can't even see it. It's here. It's there. It's everywhere. But we can't see it, and it's, it's harmless because it's a larger wave. The bigger waves are less harmful for us. We're actually, we like infrared light. It's good for us. It's good for us. Awesome. Oh, yeah, it takes saunas. 
if you don't, please do. And if you do, please do it more. It's a great way to flush your system. I can't stress enough. You know, I feel so empowered. I like, I got all the chemtrails out. What's up? You know, like I did that. And saunas are great. They can reset your, you know, I mean, I like to push it. And I think that's kind of important to kind of empower ourselves with that. Back to that last question. So either way, the light that we can't see, they use it to like microwave the sky or ride things um, like 5G that carries it data really fast and what have you. But those those golf balls, they work with other golf balls to zap the sky and make these this high pressure. So imagine like air going straight up and then you're a jet stream coming along, meandering in this cool air. And then you hit this like wall of, of hot air, you know? You steer around it until you can get around it. And it's just like a bubble, like a blob of it. They called it the blob. And it was over the West Coast. It was on the West Coast of California, the blob, for like four years or whatever. And they couldn't figure it out. Then so I kind of claimed that they're having radio waves intersect in the atmosphere, right? And they're heating the atmosphere. Well, in conjunction with chemtrails. So they spray chemtrails. Those things that we think are contrails are not. That's like barium or something. They're short trails. The medium trails are also chemicals. The long trails are also chemicals. All these chemicals are being mixed together in our atmosphere, different charges and whatever reacting together. And then they're being microwaved, right? So then they can create this, I mean, this, this metal and microwave and they can make it really hot. And did I explain that very well? Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and I like that you're breaking down it in the way that like it's light that we just can't see it's outside of our visible spectrum you know i've heard that many times but no i i think you you broke it down tara i'm just visualizing a, a bubble around california right now yeah so so the it's it's all it's all light waves and then these light waves are either energizing us or kind of yeah, what are the us? the smaller that... what are the small cuz you said the larger waves of light are harmless now these small mm -hmm. tiny waves of light what what kind of effect do they have on us on a biological level so if you look at a map that's called the EMF spectrum or like a picture of the EMF spectrum in the middle of the EMF spectrum is the light that we can see so all this light is getting called different things it's getting called radio waves getting called like these different colors it's getting called even x-rays it's still light it still has the same properties of light it's hard to really visualize that or understand but it's, it is it, it travels the same speed it's just a little bit bigger it, it, if we couldn't call orange light light and yellow light light it's just slightly different size so um our bo bodies and our cells are a certain size right and our cells are measured in like nanometers or something, maybe even smaller. So when you start to get to a size of a wave that can hit our cells and like impact it or hit fetuses and like hit it and like impact it and be the size of a fetus, the size of a, our cells, the 5G, for instance, it's measured in millimeters. And this is now the smallest wave that has ever been, light wave that's ever been used to carry information. So Wi-Fi is a carrier wave, 4G, 3G, all the stuff, FM and AM, they all are light that can carry data, information. But the 5G is now so small, it's the smallest one that's being used to carry information all around us. I mean, if there's zapping x-rays all around, which are really small, we'd be getting messed up from that too because our bodies are confused with what x-rays are too. But they don't because it would be 
obviously harmful. But they wear lead, so lead protects too, and it's too heavy. You know, that's kind of like my quest, how I started getting into this. I was getting an x-ray. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. You think about the x-rays and, and all that. The x-rays are super duper small. They're so small that they, can, that they only go enough distance that they can create like a map of your, your, your bones. You know, like they're creating like a shadow of your bones on a, on a piece of, on a piece of film. So either way, the bigger waves, they go right through us because we're not giants. We're like eight, six, seven feet tall or five, you know, whatever we are. So our cells are really small. And when 5G hits it, bifurcation can occur, which means the cells can actually get messed up from the 5G waves and split in half. They bifurcate because the waves are so small that they hit them and they impact them. But anything bigger than millimeters, like things in centimeters. So the, the light coming off of a Wi-Fi router is like a foot tall. I've had to like really figure this out to kind of try to explain it to people. Because, okay, firstly, I went to China, right, to try to figure out the whole clothing line. And I went to Southeast Asia and all this stuff. And over there, there's no confusion of it. There's no like ionic. There's like over here, EMF radiation. And it's. Um, non-ionizing and ionizing radiation, difference, the difference between like radiation off a power plant, radiation off a phone, one that you can like feel because of the heat and one that you can't feel, but it's still there, but they'll deny it through the telecom agencies and what have you. In Asia, it's just radiation. And I was trying to translate and all this stuff. I'm like, no, not radiation, EMF radiation. Like, they're like, no, it's just radiation. Like there's no difference between that and that. But over here, they've twisted it. And if you realize the telecom agencies have a bigger budget than big pharma, they have a lot to lose by us being smart, you know, and realizing what's going on. I mean, you can opt out of your smart meters too, if you can, hopefully, like you asked what else you can do, like opting out of the smart meters. I mean, smart meters are pretty predatory, but they're still not as small as a 5G millimeter carry wave. So Wi-Fi, it, it doesn't go, you know, too far. So it's, okay. So a bigger wave can go really far. You don't know where that AM tower is, and it's going really far. It's way on the hillside because it's a 100 feet size wave. The smaller the wave, it starts. It's going further. And when you get all the way down to 5G, it absorbs into people and trees and everything. You know, it, it, it has to be propagated everywhere, everywhere, and it ends up being a lot more radiation. We're still with you. Cool. So, so if that, if that helps a little bit, it's based on how big we are. Right. And when you start getting things that are the size of ourselves, the size of light waves, so light waves are measured in nanometers. And I guess like a hundred nanometers is a millimeter I'm thinking. And when you start to get closer and closer with millimeter size waves, um, measured in millimeters to nanometers, our body thinks it's light and it starts to impact us way more than before and that's like the big threshold of why 5g is actually can be super harmful and what have you and then it leads me to believe actually the rollout of 5g is a lot of these symptoms that they're that they're calling the, the thing the stuff the, the madness that we've been dealing with the past couple of years people are having like loss of taste that's a symptom of radiation sickness so a lot of these things that people say are radiation sickness symptoms and what would happen when your phone is cranked up and they put powers around you and what have you with 5G rollout is you would show symptoms of radiation sickness, you know, and then you would adapt to it, which is what we do. We adapt. Um, I read this book, Arthur Furstenberg's um, Invisible Rainbow. I read um, a lot of it. My girlfriend read the whole thing. It's a brief name. Either way, I try to be as authentic as possible. So 
he talks about the electromagnetic grid and over the years people are calling it, you know, the Spanish flu, but it was really just the, the grid being turned up and what have you. And if you think about it, regardless, if you're being bombarded by EMF, we're electrical beings, our whole, everything, our, every, our nerves, everything is all electricity. If we're being bombarded by this, you know, electrical energy, which is 5G, it could bog us down so that we get, that we get sick from, you know, the common cold that's going around, what have you. It, 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 it disempowers our immune system, you know, is another way to look at it. Mm. Yeah, I have heard that same thing from uh, someone who we met in Philadelphia, an author and uh, presentator, Ross Ben, really smart guy. He did a whole presentation on the higher side chats about what you're saying, you know, how there's this connection between the yellow fever and the use of the use of all of these different, you know, new electrical devices. Oh, we're going to string wires through every city. And, you know, in those days, the wires were huge. They were everywhere. Like now, at least they're kind of cleaned up. I'm sure they're 10 times more powerful. But, you know, when you're thinking of the term dirty electricity and you look at like a picture of how they wired electricity through a city in like a hundred years ago compared to now it looks dirty you know it looks crazy almost like wires going everywhere and i i mean it's a wonder that they had to make all of these houses fireproof around that same time you know but yeah it's 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 funny to hear that though because China, you know, it seems like they, from our perspective, and this might just be an American perspective, it seems like they're, you know, less, they're behind on this kind of stuff. But it sounds, from your experience, you learned a lot from, from what they have going on. Are they, as a, in general, as a population, more safe from the effects of radiation than we are here in the, in the States? Well, I couldn't verify it 100%, but the the word on the street was that the government required pregnant women to wear these silver aprons to protect their fetuses because it's, it's a different game over there. It's communism, you know, so they don't want people getting sick and coming out of the, they don't want autistic babies being born. They don't want these patients for life kind of thing. So there is awareness surrounding certain things, you know, so that's kind of the difference. Here, the big pharma would love a kid born uh, patient for life that they can just cash in on forever, autistic and what have you. So that's kind of like the big difference. But also in like developing and like bigger countries and developed countries like Japan and Korea, the the knowledge is there to protect themselves. Like like if they talk about sperm count, they're wearing the the underwear. I mean, the underwear is a big thing. The men's underwear. It's a big market over there. And like over here, it's like, oh, I'm cooking my bowls. And there's not even a talk of like, of any possible solution or anything like that. The, the knowledge isn't there, you know? So I think it's important to kind of bring that information to this side of the world because there is, there are solutions that people aren't even aware of, you know? Yeah. And with fertility, you know, going down in this country, uh, I am, it's, not good to hear that people are not interested in it. So does Sparrow make a EMF proof underwear? Can I get some of that? How, how would I buy yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, send me your size. and I'll, I mean, I've got for sure underwear. I can send you a pair or two. You check them out. They're cool. And for me, I just don't even, I've gotten so away from my phone. Like I've got my, my ethernet. I don't have the Wi-Fi, and I've got this like slider phone that I hardly ever touch anymore. And I've kind of like, even though I have an internet 
company and I do so much online and whatnot, I'm kind of finding the balance. I wanted to mention when you're talking about dirty electricity and whatnot, it is, it is real nowadays. I've got this meter that I can touch to my skin and see all the dirty electricity that's going looping through my body, hitting my rubber soles in my shoes, going up to my head, looping through while I stand under power lines just in my neighborhood. And if I duck down like half my size, the amount of electricity pulsing through my body has because I'm like not as close to the power line. And there's a lot. And if I take my shoes off and put my feet in the grass and measure it, it's zero because it goes right through my body. And I started getting this big aha conspiracy on rubber shoes, dude. We're surrounded by all these, you know, EMF, which is dirty electricity also. It's like two things are dirty electricity. The outlets and the wiring with the power lines and also the EMF off of all of the uh, Wi-Fi and all that stuff. It slowly builds up in our bodies. And if we just put our feet in the stream or wet grass or whatever, grounding, learn about earthing, learn about grounding, it seems so simple that they want to cl- make fun of people and like clown them and say, oh, that's some hippie nonsense. Oh, yeah, whatever, barefoot hippies. But rubber soles are straight up conspiracy, in my opinion. Like people, I've known this one story. I knew this athlete that had busted his knee. Uh, he lived in Albuquerque and he had this injury. For over a decade, and he told me he learned about earthing. He said, "Not I went and dug a hole, buried myself, and that therapy for not even a week healed him because of the there's a lot. I mean, we're supposed to connect to the earth, and there's like a human resonance off the earth, and that's pretty much what tunes us and gets our biofield all okay and resonated, and we can shed all this dirty electricity, otherwise known as positive ions. We want those negative ions going through us." You learn about Wilhelm Reich and orgone energy and stuff like that. We need a balance. And if we're not getting that balance and we're slipping, we're like sleeping next to our phone, slipping on our rubber shoes, walking under this stuff, like that connection to nature is really important. And I actually don't think you have to, I think walking through the forest, you end up kind of um, setting that dirty electricity. I've, I've actually kind of felt it. I feel like maybe you don't need to actually take your shoes off, but the science is there. Like the grounding documentaries and what have you, just stick your feet or hands in some like stream or whatever. It's just electricity and whatever can conduct the current and get that dirty electricity out of you. Again, stuff that we can't see, stuff that they don't tell us about, but it's there. And once you start to learn about it, you can really empower yourself through really simple things. Well, you know, living where we live, we took a trip to New York City one time this year because we're not really fans of the city, obviously. And it's, it's so amazing how that energy just sticks to you and sticks mm-hmm. to you and everybody says the same thing especially from connecticut is like oh, i can't go to the city i'm always exhausted by the time i get home well yeah it's because you're literally absorbing an unprecedented amount of dirty electricity all of that light that you've described for us i'm sure there's probably a wi-fi router on every floor of those skyscrapers you know just constantly streaming it and and yeah grounding is essential you know what that's what we've been doing you know yeah. Like with the rivers and we yeah. go and we, you know, hikes. yeah, it's mm-hmm. awesome. I got to get myself like a pair of shoes though, that don't have rubber soles. Cause we I don't just want to take our shoes off. Yeah. But then everybody's going to see my janked up feet, you know? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. Being barefoot is, is the way to go. And yeah. So it sounds like for solutions, then it's being barefoot, grounding, earthing, Epsom salt baths, mm. I heard you mention, and the saunas, and what else? 
Well, Eating. there was there was there was something that Healthy. that I did want to follow back on. I'm I'm almost losing it now. Oh, okay. So Shell, no, it's all right. Mm-hmm. You helped me remember. So Shelburne Falls is a place we went to in Massachusetts, and it's a beautiful river, Deerfield River. But the Deerfield River, because of its elevation and how fast it flows, it has a bunch of dams, hydroelectric dams. So it provides electricity for the whole state of Massachusetts, and standing at this site it's the glacial potholes and you're kind of like you know looking at these beautiful rocks curious wondering how these shapes formed in the rocks you know these perfect circles and deep crevices in the rocks but they have this flashing blasting yellow light on top of the dam and it just completely like ruins the moment in my opinion you know and and it maybe it was an aesthetic thing, but with this conversation now, I'm thinking like, no, that was like actually energetically doing something to me. That yellow flashing light and this space where these glacial potholes are, it's a sacred site. You know, the Mohawks and the Pecognacet, I keep messing their name up. Native Americans from Maine and Massachusetts would meet there and fish for salmon. And it was like a treaty, a place to make peace because obviously the Mohawks were not peaceful they were not to be messed with their reputation still stands with them you know they were fierce warriors so it was it was really touching to be in that place but that flashing light as soon as we got close to it i'm like oh man they're they're you know they're kind of re-energizing a place that would kind of give you some positive energy energy they're like warping it or inverting Mm. it have you seen that in your travels where like places uh, that have this natural beauty it seems like they just go and like put a dam there or they put like so- a tower or something that just like demagnetizes that positive energy that was once there yes i've seen that in a lot of other places and the light well how are you going to get in like your own like zen frequency or even like a the i think it's like the theta uh brainwave state which is like meditation how are you going to get there when it's being interrupted by a flashing light every time? And speaking of light, I'm learning a lot about LED. Mm. LED is not good. It's actually really predatory and seemingly weaponized. And I'll be at some beautiful park and there'll be this LED street lamp. And I know what's up with the LEDs. And I'm realizing that that disrupts the frequency. But also, like, I live, I've lived in a lot of places. I live in Sedona, Arizona. And there's, like, energetic hot spots there. And they'll plop, like, a cell tower or whatever. And Arizona is one of the, they want to be the first state to roll out 5G statewide. And they've got like fake cactuses and fake palm trees that are really cell towers. And they're in these, you know, high vibration spots and whatever. It seems like that they don't want energy to be able to become like to catch on or whatever. So they have to quell it before it keeps coming off the mountain or whatever, whatnot. So the, and the LED street lamps, they'll have them on during the day even. And, and then it's just like, wait, what's going on there? So LED and Terry, you asked for, solutions get rid of led bulbs. you got them in your house i'm sorry they're they're bad and also blue light filters once you learn about blue light and that whole void you thing i was talking about blue light is next to ultraviolet which confuses your body thinks sunlight you don't want all this blue light off your devices in the nighttime you can get blue light filters and it's really empowering and you can it's really free and easy so what an LED light is, and these LED street lamps right up front of our bedroom windows and stuff like that, I couldn't sleep. I was getting totally messed up by one of these a few years ago. 
seems like everything in my life I learned like in my face or I can't even accept it, which is, you know, like that for a lot of people. But the LED street lamp, LED stands for light emitting diode. And if you look up what that means, it's a diode that's designed to save energy by pulsing on and off like 10,000 times in a second. It's pulsing, so it's off 10,000 times per second. So they're like, look, it's off half the time. We're saving you energy. Well, don't you think it creates a lot? It's, it, it, it's, it's not energy efficient to have something flashing on and off, firstly, and it disrupts our entire physiological, like, nerve, everything. Our brain, our, our, our endocrine system, our bodies are designed, and, and our endocrine system, which is our hormone, it's designed to be on a circadian rhythm, a biological clock. It's absorbing light. And this light, which is also blue light, so it's, it's, it's pretending like it's the sun because it's so close to ultraviolet, pulsing on and off. And it, it totally, yes, it disrupts the natural element. I mean, that's not what nature is. Nature is not pulsing on and off crazy lights messing with our, our entire biological system. I mean, it impacts us. And I've become like kind of sensitive to it because I'm not around it all the time. And when I am, I'm totally wacky. Like I can't sleep for a while if I watch, like, like if, I'm, if it's dark out, and I go to a friend's house and they get a big screen TV or a hotel or something. These, there's so much blue light being cranked off of all these things. It throws off my entire circadian rhythm. I can't get a good night's sleep. And it's because our bodies are on this biological clock that's fine-tuned. And when you start to throw it off gradually, you don't really realize it. But ultimately, it causes problems like the chemicals are supposed to be released in the middle of the night. So like dopamine, serotonin, dopamine precursors, cortisol level regulators, and all these things that slowly lead to like obesity or depression and what have you, but you don't realize it because it's this slow and steady, you know, your beautiful smartphone that you love so much or what have you, you know, the LED, I mean, the LED street lamps, like compared to that gentle light that the old street lamps were, they just, I just, I'd, I'd be happy just, you know, painting all those, like getting a nice paintball gun and going city city and just like making those all blacked out. That would be a nice, like, life yeah well support matt lambman on patreon (laughs) maybe he could do that (laughs) that'd be fun but no i think you know that would be very inefficient because clearly you're doing a lot of things already that are making a big impact you made an impact on my life like i said at the beginning here you know we both have now uh phone bagged yeah. It's made by you, Sparrow. So I encourage our audience. We'll put all the links and, and whatnot so they can get this themselves. Get a bag. Put your phone in this bag. Matt, tell us about the bag a little bit for, for folks who maybe are like us and their family thinks they're crazy. You know, I put my phone in a bag. They think I'm crazy. They think I'm, like, trying to do some kind of magic trick. They don't believe. But then I showed my mom. I'm like, hey, look, try to call me. You know, my phone's on. I'm not touching any buttons. I put it in the bag, close the bag, no ring, nothing. You know, it, it works. Your your bag works. It shuts your phone off from the outside world. So can you explain for the listeners who are going to purchase one of these how their new bag works? Yeah, thanks for asking. So the Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O, um, catchphrase is never forget the silver lining means. And Come to find out silver is basically the best material or metal that you can use. Lead would work. Steel also works. And 
so does copper. But they all have their like copper's too brittle and it can't. I'm wondering what material did you use at first when you first got into it? Yeah, so I ordered Faraday fabric on Amazon. Did you use copper first? I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's a mix of nickel and, and something else, but it's a company called Tech Dev, D-E-V, Tech Dev, and mm. they send you just like a 30-foot by 30-foot piece of fabric that, according to them, is Faraday fabric. And it, I wasn't able to totally like sew it perfectly and as neatly as mm. yours, but once my phone was like inside of this fabric, it achieved the same results. I don't know if that, you know, just because I couldn't receive a, a phone call, that doesn't necessarily mean it's blocking the Wi-Fi. So I don't know, but but you seem to have a better idea, right? Yeah, so there's drawbacks on a lot of them. Like the copper, it becomes kind of brittle and doesn't last forever. And the nickel, it, if it scrapes off, you're not really supposed to be touching nickel. They say it's toxic or whatever. And silver's nice because it's not, you know, problematic and you can weave it into a fabric it's not toxic the steel ones are a little bit you know they're, they're crisp and you can make the clothing out of steel but it's kind of like you just like heavily starch everything and it's not comfortable or whatever so long story short the best material is silver and that's what's taken off in asia and i thought i was reinventing the wheel but come to find out i wasn't like i thought i was going over there to try to find the fabric you know and then i realized that they're making all this clothing for pregnant women and men's underwear and, and, and especially newborn babies, which was exciting. So silver deflects the light that is the light that is used for cell phones and Wi-Fi and smart meters and all that. It bounces off of it like armor. And to send this cell phone bags kind of showcase how well the silver works as a clothing because your phone inside the bag, named after Michael Faraday, who studied all this, a Faraday bag, the phone bag, they prevent the signal or any tracking or any text. Nothing gets through the phone bag. What was really interesting in my journey, which I'm very thankful and blessed to be on this journey to have like kind of my foot in the door to see all of this and to real learn all these things. I had phone bags that were one layer of the silver fabric and they worked great. And I was selling them and I went on like a bunch of big radio shows and I was selling them and it was great. And I was selling them. And this was in like 2018, 2019. And then in 2020, the very beginning of 2020, a lot of people started contacting me saying my phone bags all of a sudden weren't working for them. They loved the phone bag. They worked great. And all of a sudden the phone bag wasn't working and I couldn't figure it out. But come to find out, I, I just made twice the strength bag, two layers of that silver fabric. And then they worked. And so people are excited now they work and I gave everyone that wanted one, the new one or whatever from the old and I didn't know. Wow. But then I started thinking, why would the old ones not work and the new ones work? It's because the 5G was getting rolled out and the frequencies on the phone were getting cranked up to this new level unseen, right? And that made me start to think, well, if the radiation of the phones is to a level unseen, could that be the symptoms that everyone's talking about with this big hoax that doesn't seem to make sense, you know? And so I started to attribute and think about that. And I talked about that earlier, but yeah, the silver is, it's the future. I think it's the future of apparel. I'm really happy to see that other companies exist. It's not just me. And I think that a rising tide lifts all ships that, that phrase hopefully apply to the EMF protection clothing market, because it's like a, it's like a flyer and a movie all in itself. Someone's 
wearing clothing. It's the best activism tool. You know, I love getting the message to people. I've started off with just Kim Self Friars and 99% of them ended up in the trash right in front of me, right? And then I adapted and made the movie. And now that was seen by, I think, I don't know, a few million people or whatever. And I'm really glad that Frankenstein is still getting out there. It's a great tool for activism. The clothing, people are wearing it and talking about it and explaining to people around them in a calm way, like not tinfoil hatted out, you know, not because the clothing looks nice. They're telling their, their friends and family and peers about it, like spreading the awareness, which is what my favorite part about it. They're spreading the awareness about EMS and why they would want to turn their phone off and disconnect and not have the thing with them all the time. There's another marketing slogan that I have, uh, disconnect to reconnect and unplug to recharge. But it all applies to what we're saying about getting out the nature. I've never gone out in the nature and regretted it. Like I know I'm on my butt and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get. But every time I'm in the forest, it's just like it's always a beneficial thing to me. I don't know if it's you know my astrology or who I am or whatever, but I think it's for everybody. Yeah. It's a balancing, you know. Well, we are we are both Libras, so maybe it's true for both of us. But yes, I have the exact same feeling. You said your birthday's in three days, right? I'm right on the cusp. I just got into Scorpio, like by oh. hardly anything, like a few hours or something. I'm October 23rd, uh, and I was in Denver, like in the morning. Okay, <laughs> okay, no worries. Yeah. Well, either way, yeah, I think that resonates with me being in the forest, and and I think leading by example, like you described, like people want to do something that they see other people doing. It's one thing to to watch a documentary and say, I'm going to change my life and you should too. Watch this documentary. You know, that can be effective to a certain degree. But when you're wearing something, it's like, no, I'm demonstrating the change I've made. Clearly, I'm confident in this choice because I'm wearing it on my body, you know, and I, I I agree with that, man. And I love that this is this is not a lonely venture because there are other companies innovating this, too. But, you know, first and foremost, we got to support Matt Lamb and folks to so go to Sparrow and hook yourself up. I'm going to be getting some underwear. Sounds like pretty soon I got to protect the goods down here for the lady here and, and, and our future family potentially. Right. So. I think it's super important and all the generations to come. I mean, we need to we need to fight this medical yeah. malpractice industry that is really just trying to take every little inch it can get into our lives and, and we didn't even really get into the jab today, but you know, folks can go to actualactivist.com and you have is it .com or .org? I, I want to make sure that we have it right. Dot com. Thank you for that. No problem. And people can go there and and not just information about the jab, but chemtrails, fluoride, and also I'm sure there's links to to Sparrow there as well. So, Matt, this has been a lot of fun, man. Long time coming. I'm glad we had you on the show. And and unless you have any final questions, Tara, Matt, we'll leave it to you to to plug whatever you want to plug. Obviously, Frankenskies 2 is coming out soon. I'm sure there's a lot you're going to cover that's happened in the past two or three years because so much has happened especially considering 5g but but yeah tara any any questions before we go um i don't think so but this opened my eyes to a lot of things and inspired me to do what i can to protect myself Mm. and protect the future generations to come (laughs) Right on. Well, Matt, tell us, give us, you know, all the links and and let people know where they can come and support you. 
Thank you. And, and I really appreciate you all. Finally, everybody I keep bumping into, or, all these shows that I keep going on, everybody's totally real and awesome. And it's so great to see that this big kick in the face is having people blossom and become, you know, who they're meant to be and what have you. I feel like, you know, it's like the truth has never been so in your face and people now get using as an opportunity for growth. I think that the, the lies and all this nonsense that we're facing, it's a nice trigger for spiritual development in my world. And I think it is for everyone else. I encourage everyone to do their best to like honor the truth with integrity as much as they can because it pays off, you know, frequency of truth or all these other truths that are actually waiting for you and friends and, you know, more cool people and more opportunities and stuff. The more that you vibrate on truth by giving your body what it needs and what have you, the more that you can serve your purpose. And I have an Instagram, Sparrow Gear, S-P-E-R-O. I know it sounds like the bird, but it's Latin, Sparrow, like, Spanish, which means a Spanish word for hope and Italian as well. The Sparrow Gear, uh, please find me over there. And even though I get censored a lot, Matt Landman on Facebook, please message me and email me, frankenskies at gmail.com and frankenskies2.com. You can even upload some so photos and videos and stuff. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I want Frankenskies 2 to be us like doing something about, you know, the chemtrails and, and not just like, they're going to watch the sun, you guys. What are we going to do? So we'll see how it develops, but I'll have to drop the movie soon. And I want to do like a tour at least and talk to the cool people like yourself about, you know, their chemtrail journey and, and show the world that, you know, it's not just, you know, the whole, the whole goal is that it's not just a crazy conspiracy and we can all, I think that truth and like waking up to stuff and seeing the lies is the thing that can bring us all together. Humanity can come together because of all of the stuff that we're experiencing right now. So opportunity to curse. I mean, you know, blessing or and a curse, you know, whatever it may be. I'd like to find a silver lining. Thanks again. And I hope that, you know, we can do it again sometime. Right on. Yeah. We'd be happy to have you back, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you uh, to the audience listening. We hope you enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now and, and get off your ass and, and show Matt some love because it's mutually Damn. beneficial. Damn. You know, we're all trying to... Mm chip away at this control skynet grid and you know in all its forms electronic uv and even chemtrail form but matt again this has been a real blast and uh, yeah we'd be happy to have you back anytime man especially when franken skies twos comes out so with that folks like i said enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now